today on It's Time. You need to be in a church that teaches the Bible. Why is that? Because if you take the Bible out, then men can be the standard. And if men are the standard, it's always going to mislead you. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Colossians. So, open your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. This is one of the greatest problems I have with evolution. God designed us. We're created in His image. There is a master design in you that made you who you are and the purpose for which you are. It didn't just happen. It was divinely created. Now, why is that important? Because if we allow things to go on in our life that don't belong it's going to cause problems later on. Sometimes, again, the problems are immediate that we experience by sin. Sometimes it's over a period of our lives that the sin finally makes manifest what it will do to us. So therefore, don't play around with it. Kill it. Put to death your members which are on the earth. Now, the first one is fornication. It's interesting he lists this because this is sex outside of marriage. Now, I believe that this is uh, one of, probably one of the biggest things going on in our world today, even in the church. Now, if you find yourself involved in that, sex without marriage, repent. Get out of it, pure and simple. That's what we do. Put it to death. Make it go away. Just accept Christ. Let him f- take that away from you. Now, he says, uncleanliness. Now, this word in the Greek has to deal with uncleanliness in, in sexual matters, like porn and all those kinds of things. He said, get rid of that. The next thing is passion, and that's evil passion. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. Okay? That's the other thing that he lists in here as well. And that also, the next one is evil desire, which is is actually um, like lust is what he's talking about here. Now notice, notice, friends, these are all Physical actions. Now, when when we get to the next verse, we're going to see, uh, we're, we're going to see more or less what comes out of our mouth. But right now, we're looking at these. Now, it says evil desire. Now, what is weird is covetousness is listed in here. That's wanting what somebody else has. So it could be a spouse, but it also can be anything that you want more than what God has for you. Why is that wrong? Well, here's why. Because we're supplanting what God would have for us for what we want. We set ourselves up as then the, the, the God of our life and we go back to the old sin nature. This is why we find the contrast here. So he says, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. 
I am setting myself up as what I want rather than what God wants for me. Now it says and tells us here, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So if we find these things in our life, just get out of them. Now, how do we get out of them? You repent. Has anybody not, well, had been guilty? Wanting, have you ever wanted what somebody else has? You know, some, my mom was funny. Christian uh, most of my life. Um, and uh, I remember one time she said to me, she said, you need to learn how to covet Christian life. And I said, what's that mean? And she says, well, when you see something you want somebody else has, you go, I sure want what you got, and I hope you get a better one. I thought, yeah, that's funny. You know, because the thing is, oftentimes, we, we, we want what they got, but we don't realize all the issues that go along with those things. We want to be careful that we don't set ourselves up as God and allow ourselves to be the one that does this. Because the wrath of God. Now, why is that? God knows the result of sin. It isn't that God just is a cosmic killjoy. He knows what it will do. Verse 7, notice this, such an important verse. In which you also once walked when you lived in them. Once you all, once you did, you know, once we did these things, we're new now. Be born again. Live in the Spirit. That's what God says. Now he addresses, but now also... You must put off these things. Now, put off means to get rid of, and he tells us here. Anger, wrath, which is simply rage. Malice, which is really bitterness or revenge. Blasphemy, which can be against God or it can be against your fellow brother or sister in the Lord. Uh, because, which is just really gossip. Blasphemy and gossip are real closely related because it's to tear them down to make you feel better. This is why I believe, friends, we find so much of this go on in the church today. Because most churches don't teach the Bible. Uh, like I say, if you, you need to be, if you ever move away from here, you need, or listening by, uh, around the world on the internet, you, you need to be in a church that teaches the Bible. Why is that? Because if you take the Bible out, then men can be the standard. And if men are the standard, it's always going to mislead you. So we need to have the standard of God's word. See, God will tell us whether we're doing good or doing bad, okay? We're reading about it right now. But if you don't read this, then all of a sudden, well, I don't know if I'm good or I'm bad. As long as I'm better than you, I'm all right. Well, how do I know if I'm better than you? Well, I don't know, so I'll find something wrong with you and condemn it. That's the way it works. So now all of a sudden, our own personal opinions have supplanted God's word. This is the problem. So he says, now you must put off these, get rid of them, Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. The next one's filthy language out of your mouth. This is probably a hard one for a lot of us. Have we said any bad things this week that we shouldn't have said? My hand's up. You know, things you don't want to say and you do. Well, this is why we have to put these things off. Now, notice he's saying you put them off. You take them off like you take a coat off and hang it on a wall. Well, you put it off. 
You don't have to stay the way you are. Be mindful of our behavior around who we're around. This is all part of it. It says, do not lie one to another since you put off the old man with his deeds. So uh, again, we've talked about this before. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? One. How many murders do you have to murder? How many people you got to murder to be a murderer? One. So we realize it's not in the abundance of what we do wrong that makes us something. It's if we committed any of them. Well, if we have, this is where the good news of the gospel comes in. Jesus forgives sin. And by the way, I don't think there's probably anybody in here that hasn't been a victim of blasphemy. That's where people have talked about you. They've said things behind your back. They do that about me all the time. I, I'm, I just kind of get used to it because 99% of what they say about me ain't true. But it doesn't matter. 99 of what people say about you is not true. It doesn't matter. What matters is what does God think of you? That's what's happened because sometimes God will be the only one that will motivate, well, excuse me, God is the only one that motivates you to do no matter what anybody, everybody else thinks. Jesus had a thriving ministry. It was big. 5,000 men showed up. We don't know how many women and children. And Jesus fed them all. Remember the story of the loaves and fishes. Well, I can just see Peter, James, John going, Whoa, we're mega! And then Jesus looks at the crowd and he says, you know, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And people went, ah, cannibalism, ah, and everybody left. I suppose that was probably one of the greatest exoduses recorded in the Bible where Jesus went from 5,000 men, unknown women, unknown children, probably close to 10,000. He went from 10,000 people to 12 in a day. Now, the greatest revival in the Bible was where Jonah preached to Nineveh. It was the greatest recorded revival in the Bible. It was in a Gentile city. And it was taught by a man who didn't want to be there in the first place, Jonah, who was mad that God didn't destroy the city of Nineveh. So that's the greatest revival in the Bible. But probably the biggest exodus from following or listening to Christ in the Bible was after he fed the 5,000 men, again, unknown how many women and children were there, and they went to 12. And Jesus looked at the disciples. He says, are you guys going to leave too? Every once in a while, Peter got the right answer. And he looked at Jesus and he said, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. I like that. You know, Jesus, we don't completely understand what you, why you said that. Everybody left, but you know, you got the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? You know, it was just a few weeks later. Just, just not much. Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples. And he holds up the cup and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. And they passed it around. He said, this is my body. First he broke the bread, passed that around, then held up the cup. And I could just see the disciples going, unless you eat my body, drink my blood, you have no part... Oh, this is what he was talking about. Communion. You know, I think that's the way it is with God. 
I think God says a lot of things to us sometimes we don't completely understand. Stay in faith. Stay in love with God. You'll figure it out. God will show you. It might be a week. It might be a month. But God will show you why he told you to do what he told you to do. This is why when we go back to verse uh, 5, therefore put to death in your members fornication and cleanliness. Why? Because all these things thwart or stop the work of God in your life because God's got a better plan for you. Now, God is bigger than the things we've done wrong, as he said, which were some of you, which we all have done. And now God says, okay, we're going to do something brand new in your life. You see, God wants us where he can use us to the full maximum potential of why he put us here on this earth. Now he says, and I put on the new man. Well, let me just finish this. Go back to verse 9. Don't lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Amen. Isn't that great to know? That God is the one, is the great equalizer. All the things that we've ever lacked in our life, anything we've ever done, God repairs and fixes those things. Now, I'd like to stop here, but it wouldn't be fair. And I just got a couple more verses I want to read. Therefore, here's the contrast again, the conclusion of the matter. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, and that's who you are. Never forget that. You're holy. You know, the devil will come along and tell you, you're a scumbag. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. You did everything wrong. You ought to just jump off the bridge. And if you didn't have the power of God in your life, you'd go, yes, yeah, as I said. No, God doesn't want you to do that. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on. Now we take off the sin and we put on the righteousness. He says, put on the tender mercies, the kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave, you should and must also do. Wow. We're under divine commission to love one another and to forgive one another. Isn't that great to know? I like that. So God not only tells us what we need to put off, but he tells us what we need to put on. I pray this morning that you have that relationship with God. And that God is not a cosmic killjoy that doesn't want you to have any fun. It's just that God wants you to have real fun, not the phony fun with a hook in it. You know, you look and see so often the result of people who have followed their lifestyle. You think back of the slogans of the 60s and the 70s, if it feels good, do it. You see the phoniness of, of the, the, the words and the songs. And I shared this many times. I think it's such an oxymoron, but the Beatles, all you need is love. And then they broke up. Isn't that weird? I think that's just kind of a, it just tells you that what the world is offering is the right words, but there's nothing there. It's of no substance. So what does God do? God tells us to put off the phony, and then we can put on the real. Do you know we only have so much room to contain? And if our hands are full of junk, we'll never be able to receive what God has for us. 
That's why we repent. We put it off. And that leaves us in the position to receive. This morning I pray that you're in the position or in the conviction or in the convincing that you need Jesus in your life. If you're a Christian, you've been a Christian. But perhaps some of these things have have crept into our lives thinking, well, it's not going to have a consequence. Friends, it always has a consequence because it's going to change either you, the way you think about life. It's going to change something. The Bible doesn't say these things to be mean. The Bible says these things because of love. I use the illustration sometimes. You don't let your kids play with razor blades. But they're fun. No, they're dangerous. We're not being mean when we take the, ra- the safety razor out of our child's hands. We're protecting them. Why is it? Because God, Dad, knows more about that razor than, than, than the child does. Well, this is how God does this. And he loves us and he brings us about this morning. If you find yourself in this, and in fact, if you haven't died to yourself and come alive in Christ, then you're still dead in your sins. The Bible says we need to repent. We need to ask for forgiveness. Now, there's a lot of interesting ways in the Bible people did that. Uh, Sinner's prayers in the Bible. I I like it. You you look at Remember Jesus being crucified between the thieves. If you're really God's son, save us and yourself as well. He goes, don't you fear God? We deserve to be up here. This man has done nothing. Turns and says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Isn't that funny that his sinner's prayer was, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's when he passed from death unto life. Remember the woman caught in adultery, thrown at Jesus' feet. Jesus bends down and writes in the sand. The Bible does not tell us what was written in the sand. I get this question on every man and answer. If you're new here this morning, I host the live radio talk show. It's probably America's largest call-in talk show uh, on uh, answering questions from the Bible. It's uh, on over 400 stations. Um, And one of the questions is, well, what did Jesus write in the sand? I go, the Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote in the sand. But there are some, some thoughts. In fact, he wrote two times in the sand says that they, we caught her in the very act. Well, the law says we should stone her. What do you say? Well, first of all, if that's the case, if you go back to Old Testament law, the man had to be brought as well. And they said that they caught her in the very act. So that would have to mean the man was there. So what was it? Was it a setup? They set a guy up to go get this girl, to trap her, to trap Jesus. Kind of sounds like our modern media today, doesn't it? Uh, to, to do that. So did he write in the sand, how did you catch her? Or did he write, where's the man? Or did he write, the girls, or guys, they had all fantasized about But interestingly enough, the Bible says, beginning with the oldest first, they all left. And there's no one there. The only one there is the woman. And he says, where are your accusers? And here's her confession. There are none, Lord. She calls him Lord. And he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
You see, that was her day of death. She knew she was going to die. She knew what the law was. Every Jewish child knew the law. She knew she was dead. It's all over for you. You're cooked. You're done. And then the Bible says, he said, go and sin no more. I look at that and I realize the prayer that a person will cry out to God to save. This morning, if you've never cried out to God, if you've never accepted Christ, we're going to pray right now. Uh, Anybody listening around the world, you're welcome to pray this as well. And ask God to change your life. The Bible says he will by asking. The Bible says we repent. We take off the old. We put on the new. And that's what the Bible says. If we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you need to pray this morning, Get right with God. Maybe you're a Christian and you've found yourself in some of these things. uh, Filthy language out of your mouth. Malice, blasphemy, cutting somebody else down behind their back. Cutting God down. Just pray and ask God to forgive you. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry I've tried to define my, my life my way. And so I lay that at your feet. And from this day forward, I want to be about your business. I want to be your child. I want to be forgiven. And I want the guilt to go away. And so from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And his blood covered my sins. And so now, thank you for eternal life. That I can spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Prayed that welcome to God's family. Begins with a prayer. God shows you your whole life is goodness. Good place to read in your Bible is John chapter 3. John 3. And just read and let God speak to you. Just read every day. And God will speak to you. The second thing the Bible says, as as an act of obedience, not for salvation, but obedience, to be baptized. If you need to be baptized, let me know. And we'll have a baptism. And the third thing is, is really simple. Be around people that love Jesus. You be around, Proverbs says, Solomon says, you get around evil people, they're going to make you, they're going to drag you down. No matter how good a Christian you might be, you have evil company. Evil company will corrupt good manners. Proverbs tells us. So be careful. Be wise with who you pick to associate with. I'm not saying we don't have people in the world we talk to, especially about the Lord. But when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about your bosom buddies, those that you hang with on a Friday night or a Saturday night. You get around bad people, they're going to hurt you because they have a different idea and a different purpose of life than you do. Your purpose is to serve God. Their purpose is to serve themselves. That's why you can't be unequally yoked to non-believers. In business, in friendship, in marriage, any of those things, they have a different concept of why we're here. The Bible says, be in fellowship. And then the last, pray about everything. Make God the CEO of your life. Don't make a decision. Don't buy anything. Don't sell it. And I'm not saying, well, God, should I buy this candy bar? Well, sometimes maybe I should. But the thing is, is that we want to pray and let God help us in our daily decisions. You're going to be the winner in the long run. This morning, if you need prayer, we pray here a lot. We're going to pray and you can pray for one another. And if you need prayer, maybe you accepted Christ, we're going to pray. 
Uh, you can come down and we'll just pray for you. And let God be God. Let, let, let him do something brand new in your life. All I know is to be ready and be about your daddy's business. Those two things. Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're going to be blessed. Father, for each person here this morning, every person listening around the world, we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would once again remind us of your purpose and that we'd be about your business. It's not about us. It's about you. And so may our lights shine with your glory, your purpose. You got a better plan for our lives than we do. May we live in that plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time.